Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Thank you for braving the elements and coming to church today. Uh, Today is going to be a great day. We're in part two of our message series called The Grinches Who Steal Christmas. And, you know, just in case you were out of town last week for the Thanksgiving holidays, let me me just kind of catch you up on what this series is all about. You see, there are Grinches in life, just like there was in the movie, that will try to steal the happiness and the joy that comes from a real, true Christmas. But just like the who's in Whoville who did not miss out on what Christmas really meant, God doesn't want you to miss out on the true meaning of Christmas either. He wants you to experience it for what he always has intended to be. And so we want to look at these Grinches in this series and do what God says to prevent them from stealing Christmas from each one of us, okay? Um, Now, when it comes to Christmas, The giving and getting of presents is a, I mean, it is a big, big part of Christmas, right? Well, yeah, of course it is. I mean, like, I remember when I was a kid, like, it was all about getting presents as a kid, right? I mean, it's all about how much you can get. And so I remember, I like, I'd make up my little list of what I wanted for Christmas, and I'd give it to my mom and my dad so that they could give it to Santa. And I mean, then I'd just cross my fingers and hope for the best, right? And, um, and, and I just loved getting presents. Now, now that I'm older, though, things are different. Like, it's not about getting. Now, for me, the joy comes in the giving. Like, and, and look, and my parents told me that was going to happen. I remember as a kid, my mom and dad, they told me, they're like, you know, we just get so much more joy out of giving presents than getting presents. And I remember as a kid, my parents told me that, like, I just looked at them, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you're crazy. (laughs) Like, because I like to get. And so in my mind, I I always thought, well, you know what? If you really like to give, I really like to get. This is a win-win, right? That's how I thought about it, you know? But but the truth is, I, I get what they were saying now. And so now for me, I get much more joy out of giving a right gift to Amy, or to Libby, or to Ben, or to people in need. There's just so much more in it for me than just getting. Um, You ever hear the expression, money can't buy happiness? You ever hear that before? Well, that's actually not true. It's not. Money can buy happiness. Now look, not, not through accumulation, okay? Because if it was just about accumulating, then the people in Hollywood would be the happiest people in the world but most of them are miserable, right? Because it's not about accumulating. And all of these, you know, buying happiness Grinches want us to believe that it's all about accumulating more stuff, especially at Christmas time. But unfortunately, when we just accumulate more stuff or we just buy more stuff for our kids, six months from now, most of that stuff that we buy for our kids will either be broken or ignored. But what if there was a way that we could give stuff to our kids that would last longer than six months? What if there was a way that there was, that we could give gifts that would generate genuine joy and not just momentary excitement? 
What if there was a way to give a gift that would last someone literally, uh, you know, many years of happiness and true Christmas joy? What if there was a way to do that? Well, you know what? God has such a way. And he shows us this way through what happened to Mary and Joseph and Jesus on that very first Christmas night. So go ahead and pull out your message notes and let's look at this together. So let's ask this question. What, what are the buying happiness Grinches and what does God want me to do? Well, the first Grinch is the pointless gift Grinch. It's the pointless gift Grinch. Now, let me set the stage of what's going on here before we read the passage this morning, okay? At this stage in the game, baby Jesus has already been born, okay? But before he was born, three wise men, the Magi in the east, saw a new star in the sky. Now, this is a day and age when the cultures look to the stars for signs from the gods. And so when this new star appeared, these magi who had looked to the stars knew that like something was going on that was cataclysmic spiritually in nature. And so, and honestly, I believe that the one true God put it in their hearts to follow that star because God had some very specific purposes he wanted to accomplish, which we're going to look at here in just a few moments, okay? So at this point in the story, the Magi are close. I mean, they are really close. So they go to King Herod, who's in Jerusalem, and they ask him if he knows where this spiritually event, spiritual event has, been, has taken place because they know it's nearby. And... Um, so King Herod says, well, there is a prophecy that says the king of the Jews will one day be born in Bethlehem, which is like six miles away. It's very close. And so the Magi say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And so let's pick it up there in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 7. It says, Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Now, we know that that wasn't his intent at all. Because look, Herod was a cruel and paranoid man. And so he actually wanted to find the child so that he could kill him because Herod wanted to remain, be, wanted to remain king. Verse 9. After hearing the king, they went on their way, that's the Magi, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they pre presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I want you to circle each of the three gifts individually. So, circle gold, circle frankincense, and circle myrrh. Okay? Now, look. The Magi, these guys, they could have brought anything. And, and really, these three things, these are not the things you bring to a baby shower. Right? I mean... Hello, safety first. Why didn't they just, you know, bring a safety seat for the family camel, right? But, but, that, that, they, but they didn't, okay? They, instead, they brought three very specific gifts, 
which I believe that our Heavenly Father in, uh, inspired them to bring because each gift had a very specific meaning, okay? So what are the meanings behind the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus, okay? First, gold. Gold recognizes the royalty of Christ. Recognizes the royalty of Christ. Now, we don't know how much gold they actually brought, but we do know that they would have brought these tre- each of these three treasures in a, in a chest, okay? So they would have brought a chest of gold. So it's not like this one guy who brought the gold would have taken a couple coins, you know, flipped it to Mary and Joseph and going, hey, good looking kid you got there. No, that's not how it went, okay? They would have brought a chest of gold. Now, how big was that chest of gold? I mean, we don't know. But the truth is, who cares, right? It's a chest of gold. I mean, how amazing and wonderful is that? So they brought him a chest of gold. And the reason they brought a chest of gold is because um, the royalty of, it recognizes the royalty of Christ because kings measured their success and their wealth in terms of gold. So, what is it that Jesus is the king of? Well, it was prophesied that Jesus would be the king of the Jews. But in reality, Jesus was way more than that, okay? The reality is, is that Jesus became the king of all kings because Jesus reigns in the hearts of everyone that calls themselves a Christ follower. And so right now in the world, there are more than two billion people who claim that Jesus is their king because Jesus reigns in their hearts. So let me ask you this question. Is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your king? Seriously, because, see, being a part of a Christ follower means that Jesus is the one that is in charge of your life. And so whatever he says, that's what goes, because that's the role of a king. So is Jesus your king? Or have you reduced Jesus to just being the role, to just the role of, you know, just being an advisor, Is he just your advisor? Or is Jesus just your rescuer? Are you only calling him when you need him because maybe you've gotten yourself into some trouble? Or is Jesus just your counselor? Or is Jesus just your conscience? That he just tells you what's right and wrong, and which, by the way, you routinely ignore whenever it suits you best? I mean, and I can say all that because at one time in my life, Jesus was all of those things for me. But the truth is, Jesus isn't any of those things. Jesus is a king. And look, for me, when I got to the point in my life where I began to view Jesus as my king, when I began to understand that he was the king of the universe and that I needed to obey him because there was gonna come a day when I would answer to him for my life and he would reward me for the things that I had done in my life, when I began to view Jesus as my king and not any of those other things, I'm telling you, that is when Christianity changed for me. That's when Christianity went from being a hobby to being a lifestyle. 
That's when I really be, uh, began to understand the role that Jesus was supposed to be in my life. And Sundays stopped being a guilt trip for all that I had done during the week and instead became a celebration of a risen and reigning Lord and King. Changes everything. So, let me ask you again. Is Jesus your King? Is Jesus your King? And if not, make him your King. Because that's who he is. And that's what this gold recognizes. Okay. Let's move on to the second gift. The second gift is the gift of frankincense. And frankincense recognizes the deity of Christ. Okay, now, the truth is, most people really don't know what frankincense is. And the only reason we even remember it as one of the three gifts is because it sounds like Frankenstein. And so, I mean, it's true. So let's just say it out loud. And so, um, but most people have no idea really what it is. Okay, but frankincense is the resin of a tree that only grows in the Middle East. And they would take this resin and they would burn it in a temple when people were praying to their God. And so this, so frankincense was actually a specific kind of incense that would be burned when people would be praying. And frankincense was incredibly expensive. And so frankincense, this special kind of incense, it recognizes the deity of Christ. Now, the Magi, they may or may not have known that Jesus was the son of the God, but they certainly recognized Jesus' deity. Which, look, you gotta understand, like, that is unheard of. And it's part of the mystery of Christ because Jesus was fully man, and at the same time, he was fully God. So, by, in his nature, he was God, but it was in the form of the limitations of a man. And look, and this is huge, because never before in history has there ever been a claim that God had come down in the form of a man to serve. Now, in Roman and Greek mythology, there are multiple tales of how the gods came down in the form of a man, but it was never to serve people. It was always to come in disguise so they could point out wrongdoing and mete out punishment. But here, that's not the case. And by the way, those were just legends and tales, okay? This is a baby that they could actually see. I'm telling you, this was amazing and totally unheard of. And so this gift recognizes the deity of Christ, All right? The third gift is the gift of myrrh, and myrrh recognizes the importance of the death of Christ. It recognizes the importance of the death of Christ. Now look, myrrh is a spice that most people really don't know what it is, but because it's in the Bible, they rank it, you know, somewhere right above cinnamon and paprika, right? All right, it's true, okay? But myrrh is actually, it's a very aromatic spice that was used in burial. They would sprinkle it on the body and then wrap the body in clothes and then place the body in a tomb. And so like the other two gifts, myrrh was incredibly expensive and it served a very, very specific purpose. And so here, it recognized the importance of Christ's death. Now look, I know, like this is kind of a morbid thing to bring to a baby shower, 
right? I mean, think that through. It's a pretty morbid thing to bring to a baby shower, but it means that the, that the death Jesus died was more significant than the life Jesus lived. Look, and if you're already a Christ follower, like, you already understand this because when Jesus died on a cross, it was his death that paid the price for all of our sins. Because look, without Jesus dying, we would be left to pay for our sins ourselves. And the only way for us to pay for our sins ourselves would be to be eternally separated from God in hell. Look, God doesn't want anyone to go there. Your heavenly Father loves you. And he loves me, he loves all of us. So he doesn't want any of us to go there. And so he sent his one and only son to this earth to die on a cross. And this gift of myrrh tells us that his death was the primary reason why he was born. It was the primary reason why he was born. Because it's only through his death that we find forgiveness and eternal life. I want you to look at the most famous verse in the entire Bible. John 3.16. John 3.16 says... For God so loved the world. I want you to underline those first six words. I mean, we, we, sometimes we say this verse so fast, we just breeze right by it, and it doesn't mean anything. But the truth is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look, God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Look, I truly believe that if you were the only person alive, that God still would have sent Jesus Christ to die for you, just you. He loves you that much. And he wants to have a relationship with you here on this earth, and he wants you to go to heaven and live with him when you die. But the truth is, that's a choice that's up to you. You have to choose it. And you choose it by asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and make him your king. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then make him your king? If you've never done that and you're ready to make that decision today, there's a prayer. It's in the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer or, or, or a prayer like it at some time in your life, I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray that prayer right now. Pray it right now. All right, for the rest of us. Now that we have the, a fuller understanding of these gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, like, like, what does that mean? Like, why is that a big deal? What does that mean for us? Now, because if you remember, like, like 15 minutes ago, I started this point by talking about the Grinch of a pointless gift. Okay, but look, the Magi all gave a gift that had a meaning. Each gift had a point. So at Christmas time, when you give a gift that has meaning, you capture some of the joy that was present on that very first Christmas. So look, ask God to give you some insight so that you can give a gift that has some meaning behind it. Because look, when you give just the right gift, when you give just the right gift, a gift that has meaning behind it, some depth of thought, okay, then that gives you incredible joy. And the person that you're giving it to, it gives them incredible joy as well. And, 
And look, at that point, yeah, you can buy happiness. Not with the bigness or the expense of a gift, but with the meaning and thought that went behind the gift. So here's your feeling. Here's what God wants you to do. What does God want me to do? Where I can, give meaningful gifts. This Christmas, where I can, give meaningful gifts. Now look, I mean, this will take more thought, it'll take more planning, it'll take a little more time to put together, but I'm telling you, it is so well worth it because when you give a meaningful gift, you are more like your Heavenly Father in that moment than you realize. You're more like God in that moment than when you realize because he, God made sure that meaningful gifts were brought to His Son on that very first Christmas night. So whether you make it, whether you write it, whether you buy it, whether you create it, it doesn't matter. However you do it, give a meaningful gift where you can. And one way that you can give a meaningful gift leads us into point number two. And point number two is this Grinch. It's the Grinch of, the, uh, of another hopeless Christmas. It's the another hopeless Christmas Grinch. So, Let's pick up the story. After the Magi leave, that very night that he leaves, Joseph, as in, you know, Mary and Joseph, Joseph has a dream. And here it is in Matthew chapter 2, beginning of verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. So here, look, here's Mary and Joseph. Like, they're here in Bethlehem, and we know that they were not planning to relocate there. And so when they went to Bethlehem, they probably only brought with them, you know, a few change of clothes, maybe a baby toy or two, just in case the baby was born while they were there. But all of their stuff was back in Nazareth which is like 90 miles to the north. And remember, they didn't have a car. So, they, so they, they, when they left to go to Egypt, they just had to leave all of their stuff. They, they didn't have anything with them. They fled for their lives that very night. And honestly, it's a good thing they did because as soon as King Herod found out that he had been double-crossed by the Magi, he ordered that all of the male children two years and younger be killed that were in Bethlehem. And we, know that, and we know from history that that's exactly what he did. Now, here's where I'm going with all this, okay? When Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt in the middle of the night, okay? They fled with no job, no money, no clothes, no provisions, no nothing, okay? How are they supposed to live? How, how are they supposed to make it? And we know from history that King Herod lived at a little bit more than another year. So how are they supposed to make it as a young family for a whole other year in a foreign country? And look, by, at this time, Joseph was a young man. He would have only been an apprentice in his father's carpentry shop. He would have had no real marketable skills. And they were going to a foreign country. And in Egypt... A young Jewish family, they would have been social outcasts and not welcomed. I mean, like, not much has changed, right? So, I, I know that this is hard to grasp, but you need to understand, Mary and Joseph, like, they were facing a hopeless situation. You know, for them, 
They're facing this hopeless situation because how are they going to survive? And especially now that they have this baby that they've got to take care of. Well, I'll tell you how they survived. They had three chests filled with valuable commodities, okay? They had gold, and if that ran out, they could sell the frankincense and the myrrh because those items were extremely expensive. So look, they had received gifts that gave them hope when they had none. You know what? There's people in our world that are facing a hopeless Christmas. Some of them are facing yet another hopeless Christmas. I think about, I think about kids who've been caught up in human trafficking. Those kids are facing yet another hopeless Christmas because they are bought and sold five to ten times every night. I think about kids who are, who live in villages all over the world who have no hope of ever escaping poverty because they were born into it. They didn't ask for it. I think about kids I think my kids who live in our area who have nothing to eat on the weekends or on the Christmas holidays because the only nutritious meal they get is the meal that's provided in their free government lunch at school. I think about families who live in our area who are so poor that they won't have anything to eat this Christmas. There will be no Christmas dinner for them. I think about kids who live in our area, whose parents are incarcerated. And so they've never received a Christmas gift. They don't know any other way of life because of their parents. So most of them are facing yet another hopeless Christmas. Well, you know what? This is where you and I can step in. This is where you and I can step in and we can just punch that Grinch right in the face. And we can do something to give these kids and these people some hope where they've never had hope before. And so here's what I want you to write down. What does God want me to do? God wants me to give hope through the Christmas offering. Because look, today we kick off our annual Christmas offering and all of the money is gonna go to help people in the situations like I just, just described, okay? 50% of the money is going to go to help an organization called Love 146. It's an organization that we've supported before. They help kids who have been rescued out of human trafficking to get their lives back. And they do a tremendous amount of work in preventing, from kids, in preventing kids from being trafficked in the first place, which, by the way, isn't that the best option? And they do a tremendous amount of work in, here in Houston because Houston is one of the areas of uh, where human traffickers work the most because we have such an international port. In fact, next week, Rob Morris, the chairman and CEO of Love 146, is going to be here speaking, telling us what God has been doing through Love 146 this past year. I mean, it's going to be incredible, so make sure that you're here next week. The other 50% of the money is going to go help uh, local and foreign mission projects. Projects like Lunches of Love. It's a Christ-based organization that helps feed kids on the weekends and over the holidays because they will have no other nutritious meal to eat because school is not in session and they can't get their free government lunch any longer. 
Lunches of love, get this, they feed a nutritious sack lunch to over a thousand children every day. Every day, right here in our area. And so we're gonna help them. We're gonna help other organizations, um, like Champions Kids Camp. Champions Kids Camp um, will provide a Christmas present, Christmas dinner, and send a child to summer camp whose parents are incarcerated. These kids know no other way of life, and they will not have a Christmas. They will not, they, many of them have never received a Christmas present before. So over 200 kids are going to receive a Christmas present whose parent or parents are in prison right now through Champions Kids Camp. We'll support other organizations like Family Hope. Family Hope helps feed families here in our area who can't afford to feed themselves. And we'll have nothing at Christmas time if it weren't for Family Hope. It'll be other organizations like World Vision, Katie Christian Ministries, Living Water, and others. All these are going to benefit from this year's Christmas offering. So, what is our goal? Write this down. Our church goal this year is $165,000. We have never attempted a goal this big. Last year our goal was $150,000, which by the way, we met because of your generosity and your kindness to people. So I'm asking you again, this year, I mean, let's sucker punch this grit as hard as we possibly can by giving to the Christmas offering. Look, and I'm not going to tell you how much to give. I, what I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to pray. I want you to ask God how much he wants you to give. And then whatever that amount is, I want you to give that. And, and you can give however you want to. You can give um, using the envelope that's in your, in your worship guide. You can give online. You can give using our app. I don't care how you give, but I want you to just give. And by the way, this, the amount that you give to the Christmas offering, don't just take what you normally give and then like just redirect it to that. No, no, no. Like the church, we still like to have lights during the holidays. Like we'd still like to, you know, provide heating and air conditioning where needed, okay? We still have all the same ongoing expenses. So this is in addition to your regular giving. And I know some of you, you get like an a, a, a annual bonus, but many of you don't get that until January. So we will receive the Christmas offering starting now through January 31st. So through the end of January. But look, if you don't have to wait that long, don't wait that long. Me and my family, we're going to give to this offering this week. We're giving this week. We're actually, we're going to give today to this offering. So would you join us in doing that? Would you give to this Christmas offering today? Because look, when you give, you give these people hope. You give them hope. Okay. One last thought, and then we're going to be finished. Did you know that Jesus, after this night, never met the Magi during his lifetime? The Magi, when they went back to the east, they never met Jesus again during their lifetime. Never happened. But here's what I think did happen. I think when Jesus stepped out of this life and he stepped into heaven, I think Jesus went and found each one of these magi and put his arms around their neck and said, thank you. Thank you for giving my parents hope. 
when my parents were facing a hopeless situation. Thank you for what you did by giving them hope. You know what? When you give to this Christmas offering, you will probably, you'll probably never meet that little boy or that little girl that you help rescue out of human trafficking and give them their life back. You will probably never meet that little kid who got a sack lunch every day over the Christmas holidays and actually had something to eat. You'll probably never meet that little boy or that little girl that got to go to summer camp, that got a Christmas present for the first time in his or her life because their parents are in jail or in prison. You'll probably never get to meet that little kid. You'll probably never get to meet the child that you helped in a village, however far across the world, they got to hear the gospel of Christ for the very first time and got to go to school so that they could end the hopeless cycle of poverty. But here's what I think is going to happen. One day when you step out of this life and you step into God's presence, I think there will be little kids, people that are bene- will benefit from this year's Christmas offering that will find you and they'll put their arms around your neck and just say thank you. They'll say thank you for giving me hope when I had none. When I was facing yet another hopeless Christmas, for the first time, I had hope. Thank you. I'm telling you, at that point, that there is nothing that you can give to this holiday season that will pay more eternal and spiritual benefit than this Christmas offering. So when people say money can't buy happiness, that is just simply not true. It can. Not in terms of accumulation, but in terms of death, of depth, meaning, and hope. It can. By your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and just want to say thank you. Thank you for the, me- the deeply meaningful gifts that you had given to your son and how they speak so powerfully to us today. And Lord, I'm asking you in the name of your son that you would help us and inspire us to give meaningful gifts to those we love. And in doing so, we reflect your heart and we're a lot like you. I also ask that you would use every dollar given to the Christmas offering to rescue another child, to give another child hope, to change the course and direction of another child's life so that their life is different. And I ask that you would take every dollar and you would multiply it and you would bless it and you would use it as a tool in your hands to change a life. And so, Lord, I ask that you would let this not be yet another hopeless Christmas for those kids, those people. But through it, you would give them hope of a new way of life and that they would find Christ. They would find you and that you would change the course of their lives and ours, literally for eternity. And Jesus, we ask you to do this in your powerful name because you truly are the King. 
we all said, Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.